0: This is Coda Radio, episode 479 for August 15th, 2022. Hey, good buddy. Welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us fighting his old IRC client, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Uh, She's an oldie, but she got me all the way across Route 66,
1: all the way to Orleans, down to Tampa Way. That adium, it's old reliable. Just not working right now. It's working right now. So I reopen it. It's like you're already identified. I'm like, I know. Thank you.
0: (laughs) IRC's old. (laughs) You know, it's old.
1: (laughs) It is. I think what happened is I didn't use this computer since last week's show, and it's... Like, all of my stuff is just, like, popping up. You're not logged in. You're
0: logged in. You're not logged in. It's like, yes. Now that we have the star power of Michael Dominic on our Matrix server, we might as well just migrate our chat over to Matrix soon. You know what I mean? We should as soon as I authorize this machine. And... Yeah. Oh, I've been trying out Fluffy Chat, by the way, which is a pretty decent Matrix client as well. Ooh, so, Fluffy. Yeah. It's no we'll way. have to run it by the union, though, because uh, it's already turned around on us. I, what was this? A month before having a mascot has completely derailed the show. It may be over after this. It may be over at Coda Radio Show from the official Coda Radio mascot. They write, I want to remind you both that we have strict labor laws in Europe. I don't think denying a mascot its vacation is legal. I consider founding the first podcast mascot union to make sure the podcast mascot's rights are respected and not eradicated. This is a threat. If we don't act, this is a threat and they will launch a union, a Coder Radio union, and then you know where that leads. The show's costs are going to explode. It's not going to be profitable to do the show.
1: We're going to have to end the show. Well, luckily, I called an old friend from the State Department. Oh, yeah? And she had an interesting thing to say. How quick are you on your soundboard? F- the EU. <laughs> but we do love Egon, our Coder Radio mascot. Yeah, but uh, Newland's going to come over there and, and clear things up, I would, I would expect. But don't worry, she'll bring sandwiches. She's definitely not person responsible for anything that's going on right now.
0: No, definitely not directly responsible. No. You know, the thing about uh, the Coda Radio mascot, though, I thought maybe we could just buy him off with some airtime, you know, because airtime is valuable. So maybe if we just spent, you know what I'm saying, we'll just bribe him with some airtime. We'll see. It's treacherous, though, friends. If the, uh, if the show isn't here next week, it's because the union took us out. That's what we get for agreeing to a mascot. All right. We got some feedback into the show. And I thought we'd cover all bits of it. Some of it I replied to directly, but I wanted to read a frustrated commuter's feedback. Listening to last episode, I think there's a huge issue in the ideas about what the workplace is supposed to be and why the prospect of being in the office is so absurd. I live in the greater Sacramento area, but whereas I live in the lower west due to proximity to my family, most jobs are in the northeast. And as such, I have about an hour commute each way. I just started a job at a nationwide retailer and we do projects in stores across the country. I'll never touch a physical machine or a server as they're located in retail stores in the U.S. and Canada. My direct supervisor recently received a special exemption to move to Tennessee and works completely remote, but I am required to be in the office eight hours a day, three days a week for now, but they say full-time is on the horizon, and we have an always-on camera to validate. What's worse... I am not allowed to sign something to skip lunch. I have to clock out for an hour at least. And that means in my previous job, I gave them eight hours of my time per day, but now I have to give this company essentially 11 hours of my day and spend more money on fuel. I'm just less inclined to fit in with this culture working remotely, maybe, but I'm not there to make friends. This isn't a social club or a barbecue. If I'm meeting the expectations then the culture fit shouldn't matter. The insistence on going back to the office is just unnecessary. It's often insulting as the people with the authority get the exceptions to keep enjoying the comforts of a remote workplace that they had during the pandemic, whereas rubes are now arguably paying the tax to sit in their AC. At the end of the day, I just can't help those three extra hours a day don't do anything to make me want to fit into the workplace. They just make me ponder my next contract. Frustrated commuter. Could you imagine the always-on-camera stuff? How awful that's getting now. Yeah.
1: No, no, I don't. That's I really don't think that that's appropriate task of anybody.
0: Like part of me says, well, go get a new job, man. If you don't like it, get a new job. Like that's how you vote with your, you know, with your feet. But then I also understand it's not as always easy as that, depending on your industry and your, your work and, and, you know, financial situation. And the disturbing thing is, is the New York Times put out a pretty good piece just yesterday about the rise of worker productivity scores, and they're using all these automated tools, cameras, keyboard monitors, mouse monitors, input on the screen monitors, and they're then generating scores for the uh, like uh, manager to review them to get an idea of like how hard they're working to basically collect data on what they're doing. And this New York Times article uh, lays out like how it started at lower wage workers, but now it's lawyers nurses they talk about a hospice care provider who got 1 point for calling the family she got another productivity point for like each patient she saw they also have some quotes from some of the makers of this monitoring software saying that you know our data points aren't super accurate they still need refinement and probably shouldn't be used for judging people's overall performance and yet clearly it's happening i mean united health seems like one of the bigger ones they talk on here but they mentioned three or four different companies that are doing this with cameras with Activity monitoring, and they also talk about the rise of mouse jigglers, ads on TikTok and Instagram, where you buy a mouse jiggler that you put on your desk and you set your mouse in the jiggler, which randomizes input to make it look like you're busy, and they're selling like hotcakes right now. So okay, right? This is where
1: I'm somehow meditating on our mascots, uh, shall we say, pinko kami ways and maybe i have been listening to some ace of base so there's some euro pop involved but also like my evil capitalist is like you can certainly demand that people come to the office i think it's stupid like we talked about last week if, if you're a small company like ours right but like this middle ground if i'm gonna spy on you in your home it i i just feel like that's if you distrust the people that work for you that much they shouldn't work for you and i know i'm speaking from the position of like small teams and small organizations where you you know it's you know how it is chris it gets super personal right like somebody has a kid it's a big deal right like it's you know i just i can't imagine i mean i think we both know how i would react but i can't even imagine asking someone to do that without feeling like a complete
0: scumbag here's some of the justification they say it gives them solid metrics and what they, they say, newfound clarity. The New York Times goes on to write Derelict workers can be rooted out, industrious ones can be rewarded. Quote, it is a way to really just focus on the results, end quote, rather than the impressions. So it's just this kind of spin of like, well, but the good employees get rewarded. And it's only really the bad employees that get worked out, which the good employees appreciate too. So everyone wins. So
1: basically, the same justification of stack ranking.
0: <laughs> yeah, and OKRs. And I
1: mean, it, it, it's stack ranking plus taping you. I guess.
0: Yeah. God. You know what this is? I got. I got some bacon for you, buddy. Yeah. You ready? This is all a ploy by big hard drive to just. Sell more local storage because everybody's going to the cloud, and they want to sell these hard drives. They've got you know these huge tr- so big storage is colluding with software developers. It's Western Digital and Seagate. They got to sell big enterprise storage because you imagine like if you're monitoring all your employees. Actually, let's be real. That's probably a cloud service too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's there's some SaaS vendor.
1: So, so you know, no offense, but there's some kids somewhere thinking these guys are. Idiots, I'm gonna
0: make this sass right now. Or I just, yeah,
1: it's ter- It's making me physically ill.
0: I understand. All right, let's talk about something that gets people fired up GitHub versus GitLab. And I want to make it clear that the GoToRadio program always recommends if you can host your own infrastructure, then nobody can just disable you or do weird stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do we make a Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're coming to a new understanding, I think we're coming to a new middle ground. And uh, Josh writes in, hey guys, just finished 478, and I wanted to hype up GitHub over GitLab. One thing I love about GitHub is its VS Code integration. If I get a bug report, I can view the report on the website, and by pressing my period, a web version of, the, of VS Code opens up with that repo pre-imported. I do a minor change, I push it out, and it's instantly updated without me ever leaving the repo web page. That's pretty great. I just wanted to add my three cents. Josh. Yeah, I think the other thing that we kind of dance around, but is huge. If you want to do an open source project, ironically, it's going to be more successful on GitHub than on GitLab, in my opinion. It's a network effect. Simple as that. You know, we're doing the new JB website. And I think the fact that it's on GitHub has been a a huge part of the success we're seeing with the project.
1: Yeah, there's also the even like more grubby practical side of if you're someone pretty new in your career and looking to really make some aggressive jumps in your career. Uh recruiters now know about GitHub and so do internal hiring managers. So if you have a nice beefy GitHub profile, that's gonna go a long way.
0: Mm, good point. All right. We also got an email from Stoff. Uh it was long. I think I'll link it in the show notes because it's it's about tabs or spaces, which you brought upon us. Uh but he I did I did pull a little bit of it. He wrote Essentially, tabs are idealistic and would win any argument not based on real world, quote, not caring of humans. But in reality, spaces win. But how many spaces is the better question? (laughs) I wonder what the audience would say about two spaces. So, yeah, um, I'll put a link to this in the show notes and uh, you guys can read the whole thing. He says, in an ideal world, tabs, but in the real world, spaces. And he just suggests, two spaces. So we'll have a link to his whole email if uh, if you want to nerd out and see why he thinks two spaces is the one true way to go. Well, <laughs> And you can let us know what you think.
1: I will say, most beautiful
0: feature in Python, you don't have a goddamn choice. <laughs> Reminder, meetups are coming next month, right about this time that you're listening. Things are going to be just getting started in southern Oregon. So just super quick, Southern Oregon, September 20th. Northern California, September 23rd. JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, September 29th. Southern California meetup around the JPL area, September 30th. And then October 7th, a Portland area meetup. It's a lot of meetups. Along the way, we'll be stashing some geocaches with SWAG in them. And then we'll give hints on the show where you can find the geocache. And then we'll also have SWAG on board. we will be bringing to the meetups. And all of that. So details are at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. I also invite you to join us in our matrix room, bit.ly slash West Coast Crew, where we're chatting about details, getting tips from locals, and then we'll also use that area for future meetups as well. So a lot going on. I'll Put a link to all of that in the show notes. If you're in the Western area of the United States, we'd love to see you. Linode.com slash coder. That's where you go to get $100 for 60 days on a new account, and it's a great way to support the show. Linode offers just the best options for developers and businesses that don't need or want the complexities of hyperscalers and don't need all their endless options. And yeah, there's also budget VPS providers out there, but I just wouldn't mess with that stuff. Not if it's something that matters, not if it's something that's for my business or my data is important or my availability is important or support's important if I ever get stuck. There's a lot of reasons to choose Linode, but their nearly 19-year track record has got to be one of them. Incredible uptime over that 19 years. Always innovating on making the network faster and more capacity. They've got 11 data centers around the world for you to choose from. Then a bunch of really nice back-end features are just implemented nice and easily, like object storage, backups, simple snapshots, an API that goes for days. You can do all kinds of stuff. My favorite little hot tip is put the Linode command line client on your box and do a snapshot right there on your box before you make any changes. There's so many things, though, I love about Linode. Besides just the performance, the great support, there's also a huge community. And tons of my friends from open source projects around the world are using Linode. Linode sponsors a lot of the infrastructure for open source. And of course, Linode is making it possible for us to go on our West Coast road tour this year to meet up with a whole bunch of you. So if you're in the area, make sure you come see us because we'll have some Linode swag on board that we're giving away. And I've been told it's very cool, brand new swag. But on top of that, it's just the best place to run something on Linux. Don't get locked into those esoteric hyperscalers. Don't get fooled by the budget VPS providers who will inevitably disappoint you. Go get the real thing the folks that have been building for 19 years and only getting better and better as they do it. And why not get $100 while you try it? Support the show and get 100 bucks to try out Linode when you go to linode.com coder. One more time. It's linode.com coder. We may finally see a light at the end of the electron tunnel. I'm not saying electron's dead, but this might be a critical flaw that they can never solve. And maybe in a decade, it'll force people off of Electron. I don't know. But, you know, it's black hat season, so we're hearing about lots of exploits, and researchers have found remote code execution vulnerabilities in basically all of the major Electron-based applications. Discord, Teams, Slack, you name it, right? Surprise, surprise. And here's the core flaw. These particular issues they found have been patched. Some of these they found like a year ago. But the fundamental issue is, surprise, surprise, they write in the research, quote, this occurs because of the way Electron JS is designed and in the fundamental design issue within the framework, Electron.js and Chromium that they've branched is always behind the main normal Chrome browser, i.e. Electron is always two or three months behind any upstream fix in Chromium at best, Then you have applications like Discord that are actually shipping a version of Electron that's been end of life for a while, and they're just like patching it like animals to keep it running. And they just will never be able to solve this problem because this is just the nature of the way this project works. It's downstream of Chromium, and they've changed it significantly enough that there is inherently a delay between when the bug fix goes out in Chromium and when it goes in your Electron app. And, you know, the Discord developers, they try to jump in and say, look, when we found out about these vulnerabilities, we had it patched within like 42 hours. Like, look at us. But, you know, like, okay, you got one of probably hundreds of vulnerabilities. And it seems to me this is just inherent with Electron apps. There's no way around it. So not only is it not a great experience, not only are we still not seeing the performance and and memory usage that we'd like to see, it's still an issue. But now you have this fundamental way it's designed. It seems like this is always going to be a security issue. Do you think, long term, this could force people's hand to move to something else? Microsoft's working on Electron replacement. Don't know if it wouldn't have these problems, but if, if you could port, if you could move, if you think about the technologies being used here, it actually should be fundamentally possible to rip out the chromium stuff from Electron and put something else in there. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. One,
1: this is not going to stop people from using Electron. Uh, you're sacrificing a lot to use Electron to gain development speed and cross-platformness. I would definitely caution the dunking on Electron, especially from like Linux community, because you wouldn't have the applications without it. And that's just probably true of a lot of Mac applications, too, at this juncture now, right? With that all said, you could have... We don't have it in the notes for this week, but there was a big post by the Dino team on how they're kind of probably moving further from uh, node for reasons, right? We don't need to super go into it. It's not, not a uh, framework that I use a lot, but I could see something like that where, you know, whatever the electron replacement is, is effectively a compatibility thing, but then eventually replaces it. Uh, a good example of this on the mobile side, if you're doing cross-platform is Cordova, which is well deprecated, and something like Capacitor, which does have Cordova backwards pa- compatibility, i.e. you can use Cordova plugins. I don't know, and I'm usually like not Microsoft bacony. I am not sure that a Microsoft Electron replacement would necessarily be as different as maybe it sounds. Because it would certainly be like an edge base, which is itself Chromium-based. Now, maybe Edge and Chrome are going to diverge. Uh, that's certainly possible, right? I, again, I just don't see this not being a problem based on anything that's architected like this, where you are modifying a very large, very complex upstream project, and you simply can't keep up. I mean, if anybody who's done mobile dev for a long time knows that all these cross-platform frameworks are beautiful... Except, like, if you really, really want to be there day one and have, like, the hottest new Apple thing to try to get featured on the store, that becomes real touch-and-go and dicey. And it goes the same for security stuff, right? When your project that you're dependent on is following uh, at a lagging pace, not not through any fault of their own, but through just the way stuff works, a upstream project, you're always going to have these things. And I, I don't think the value proposition that Electron or something Electron-like, right brings is ever going to be defeated at this juncture certainly not if the alternative is everything's either literally i mean i think the more likely scenario is people just run their web apps in actual chrome right or edge and maybe safari i mean i prefer the electron wrappers because i like the native notifications on on both mac and and gnome
0: and i like having it its own process its own window right because you know Squadcast likes to just take down your chrome window right so we use apps that, like, break browsers sometimes. That's what the developer and researcher of these flaws said. Uh, quote, if you're paranoid, I recommend using the website itself because then you have the protection of the latest Chromium. Uh, also, it's sandboxing and all of that, which is much larger than Electron. So you could use a lot of these apps just in the browser and not use the Electron app and benefit from the more updated security in the browser itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it would be not the worst idea. I just like my little Slack, you know, dock icon, right? I like to be able to, you know, tap around to the different applications.
0: Well, and maybe this is something the operating system should be solving. You know, I think of like Fedora Silverblue and NixOS, OS, which are immutable. And so even if, you know, the browser or the, or Electron app just goes crazy and starts trashing your system, at best it could read your home directory, but it couldn't really make any permanent changes to the system. It couldn't install itself and run in the background. After you, you reboot, it'd be gone, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, but how many years did people just run Flash and it didn't matter? (laughs) Right, and it was super insecure. I'm just saying the value prop from like, you're an enterprise IT manager, you need to hire some dev shop or some contractor to write you an application. I mean, I would be more than happy to write you three. (laughs) It'd be great. That sounds fun. The only thing I'll say maybe in defense of Microsoft having an alternative is they have done a hell of a job with VS Code. <laughs> and Edge is pretty impressive. It's my day-to-day browser when I'm on POP. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe their alternative would well, – what a world. So, now your development tool chain is basically VS Code and your target environment becomes a Microsoft-based framework. Yeah. And then you go run it on Azure. I was going to say, are we having flashbacks yet? Is it – <laughs>
0: Funny how all these roads lead to Azure. hmm <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what the audience thinks. Here's what you said, Flash. It's exactly what it made me think of. So let us know, coder.show slash contact, or send us in a boost. I feel like this is its Flash moment. The very beginning of what took a decade is we started discovering fundamental issues that were obvious in some cases, but we just hadn't realized, or in other cases we didn't know. We start discovering these just, oh man, there's no fixing this. Oh man, another one. There's no fixing this. And it took a decade of that. And at the end of that decade and and a lot of help from Steve Jobs, we finally freed ourselves from Flash.
1: Yes. When, when, when Uncle Steve took his double barrel shotgun and took old flashy
0: out, out behind the shed, you know, nobody wrote those blog posts, like, or whatever the open letter, whatever he called them. Like it's in terms of a tech CEO who could write in plain language and make you kind of understand their, uh, their position that Steve jobs note on flash, I think is, I don't think any other CEO in tech right now does something, anything like that. Musk does his own newer version. Which really seems to piss people off, but Jobs did too, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but like,
1: I don't know, Musk has not eliminated a basically web development standard. Although I will say Flash, I had mixed feelings on what died. Adobe Air, which is probably the closer like analogy to Electron, and if you know what Adobe Air is, I am very sorry, really, really deserve to die.
0: Oh, yeah. Silverlight, that sure was a hot distraction.
1: That was a hot mess. And remember remember running Netflix on Linux was, oh, you have to download this really shady mono version of Silverlight.
0: Yeah. That was so bad,
1: man. That was such a bad time. <laughs> and you can't have 10 at because something, something codex, right? Like, yeah.
0: And it, it just felt like Microsoft wanted a piece of that hot flash action. And so they created, you know, Silverlight. I feel like
1: you just said Microsoft wanted to
0: go through menopause. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about something before we move on that... I I thought it would be one story when it first broke, and this happened last week after the show, and then by the time we sat down to record, I have a totally different position on this story. So Telegram went to war last week, and you and I both use Telegram a bit. The founder of Telegram took to his channel and just blasted the App Store review, saying that Apple is holding back technology that will, quote, revolutionize how people express themselves in messaging. He goes on to say, quote, it has been stuck in Apple's review for two weeks without explanation or feedback provided by Apple. Well, it turns out there was some feedback, but he he didn't disclose that at the time. But anyways, he goes on to say, quote, If Telegram, one of the top 10 most popular apps globally, is receiving this treatment, one can only imagine the difficulties expressed by smaller app developers, Wait a minute. Where have I heard this before? It's not just demoralizing. It causes direct financial losses to hundreds of thousands of mobile apps globally. And he just put Apple on blast, right? So why did he go to war? What was it they were holding back? What was this new? They were censoring his ideological beliefs. Nope. Nope. Uh, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. They were demanding monies he was making outside
0: of the app store. The new revolutionary technology he was shipping was 3D emojis, and they were based on the Apple trademark emojis. And according to the App Store guideline 5.2.5, third-party developers cannot create apps that are confusingly similar to Apple's existing product. And in that guideline, Apple implicitly makes it clear you cannot replicate the Apple emoji design. And so that's why they were holding it up.
1: So there's two very funny things here. One, there is some lawyer at Apple who was like, hang on, (laughs) I love Emoji, and we are defending this IP to the death. And then this guy, who I like Telegram, good product, is also, like, risking his his own product because of Emoji. Can't you just, like, use the Unicode ones? Or is it because they're 3D?
0: Yeah, they had to, I guess, create new ones, but... uh... I, I, for me, it's the arrogance of saying this is a revolutionary new feature and how dare Apple, blah, 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 blah. And it turns out to be animated emojis. And this, by the way, is part of a bigger story where Telegram is rolling out premium features. But the premium features they're rolling out suck. They're dumb and nobody wants them. And it's wild. I've been I've never really seen anything like this go down. Chris, this is a safe space. Tell us what you really think like if telegram would have implemented status so i could say i'm recording or i'm away or i'm i'm traveling i'm driving right now kind of like you can do in slack you know if they would have if they would have implemented that in telegram as a member feature i'd pay nine bucks a month for that right there that's how much i use telegram right instead it's like stupid pictures and stickers and 3d emojis and just stuff that nobody wants and i've really kind of been impressed because i've I've read different Telegram groups. I've read different Reddit posts on this. I've read different threads on uh, reply comments like this article on 9to5Mac. And universally, universally, it's clear that the Telegram user base doesn't want any of this. It's all just stupid. <laughs> it's a fascinating thing to watch an app fall like this because first they wanted to do some stupid crypto ICO scam. I was going to say, wasn't
1: there like a weird crypto thing?
0: That was a horrible idea and would have taken the app in a a terrible direction. But because of regulatory concerns, they bailed on that because they got a big old warning on that. And so then they pivoted to membership. But the member features are so lame that nobody's going to sign up for this thing. And the cost to run this telegram service, the storage alone, it's be a fortune, is astronomical. Yeah, it's, 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 I've, I'm told it's millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars a month. So I've, I've never really witnessed an app blow it this bad in a while. And then just then to also at the same time go to war with Apple over an obvious violation of their App Store guideline is essentially punching the person who feeds you in the face, because Telegram is nothing if it's not on iOS or on Android. It is absolutely, totally dependent on these two major duopolies. And he's going off saying that they're holding back, you know, revolutionary new communications technology when it turns out he was ripping off their emojis, which maybe, you know, maybe should Apple be defending that? I don't know. But the guidelines, they make it clear. They specifically mention the emojis. I You know, I, I'm
1: always happy to dunk on the App Store review team. In this case, I'm like, ah, I, no, right? It's silly. I, 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 Kapevic K, K, in the chat? KP. KP is saying in the chat, uh, you know, basically they gave away most of the good stuff for free. I, I have a feeling that's kind of what's happening here. They need to monetize a bit more,
0: and it's just real hard to do that. Well, it's, I think it's clear it's hard to add new features. Because instead what they're doing is they're giving you lipstick, and I want, like, new functionality. I want to pay for functionality. Like I said, one simple idea. Status. Let me set a status. That's all I'm asking for. Let me set my status. I could see how that's simple to say and hard to implement. I, I bet there's all, yeah. Right. But that's why
1: it's worth paying for. It's tough to make money on the App Store. I don't know. I feel like we've been, like, I, I like the
0: indignation, but then the fact that it's about emoji, I'm kind of, you know. I guess this is my theme today, but I I'm looking at this. I'm thinking, you look at his hostile relationship with uh, the teat that feeds him, and you look at this totally boondockled membership rollout, and I think Telegram's going to have ads soon. Telegram's going downhill. It's time to leave, baby. Switch to Matrix because I think Telegram. It's not tomorrow, but I think it's going to turn to crap. Or you know maybe IRC will just be the cockroach that survives every- and everything. <laughs> tailscale.com slash coder, my favorite part in the show right here when I get to tell you about TailScale. Honestly, TailScale, TailScale, TailScale. It's so great. I wish we could do every show about it. It's a zero-config VPN that installs on any device, regardless of architecture or platform, takes care of your firewall rules, takes care of your double-nats if you got some. You can quickly and easily create a flat mesh VPN protected by WireGuard's noise protocol. So you get the best VPN encryption in the business with the ease of management that Tailscale brings on top of that. It's the combination of these two things. It's like Tailscale is taking VPNs out of the uncanny valley. You know, they're doing that last 10% that the rest of the world needed. And now I am seeing announcement after announcement of different projects that are integrated in Tailscale support. So you can put applications, individual applications and services on your TailScale network. It's so incredible because TailScale is just this solution that on its surface seems immensely simple. But on the back end, they do a lot of really creative magic to make a mesh VPN network that just works all the time and doesn't do silly routing when you're accidentally sending the wrong traffic over that VPN. And they introduce nice features like TailScale send, which is basically like airdrop for your entire TailScale network, and they've recently rolled out TailScale SSH, which allows you to establish connections between your devices in your TailScale network, authorized by the TailScale controls, which are great. You can manage SSH. Well, you don't have to manage SSH keys. That's kind of the thing. TailScale manages the SSH keys, and then authenticates your SSH connection using WireGuard. It's like my two favorite things come together in TailScale. There was a time before I synced my files, right? There was a time before I had broadband. There was a time before I had decent portability in a laptop. And now I'm going to look back and remember a time before I had Tailscale. That's the kind of game changer. That's the kind of workflow improvement you get with Tailscale. So the fact that you can go to tailscale.com slash Coda right now and try it for free up to 20 devices while you support the show, I don't know, kind of feels like peak awesome to me. This is one of those moments where a new technology comes around and podcasting's around and we all get to kind of just be in the same spot at the same time, and I'm very excited to watch this company go, and I very much recommend you try out TailScale. I think you're going to be blown away. You'll never switch to any other VPN. This is it. You're done now. You've got yourself a flat mesh network. You're welcome. TailScale.com slash coder. All right, well, here's where Apple's activity gets a little sketch. Feels a little mob boss to me. Reports are coming out from the Wall Street Journal that Apple... Contacted Facebook and wanted a little bit of cuts from some of their new services they were rolling out. They wanted a little taste back in two thousand and sixteen, like the promoted posts in facebook. I just want to wet my beak mark
1: just my beak okay
0: it was interesting the way they did it. They say like you know uh, we feel like we should be getting our thirty percent from this, of course, Facebook pushes back on that and it it created what seems like this really sour relationship between apple and facebook yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) sure
1: i mean nobody likes getting shaken down even you know the bad guys right i'm just i don't know app is it is it not pretty clear that in a slowing growth environment apple and most other big multinationals goal is to extract more revenue per user
0: so they wanted a share of the promoted ad sales that okay it doesn't surprise us but To help put it in perspective, because you and I have talked about this so much that we're completely just it's all it's all sort of a a hodgepodge now. But Ben Thompson did a decent little timeline in Stratechery, which I'll have a link to in the show notes. But I grabbed a little bit of audio from his podcast. Apple had discussions with Facebook between 2016 and 2018. Apple had similar discussions with another ad supported company sometime before June 2020. Apple systematically moved against consumer SaaS apps in 2019 and early 2020, halting updates unless they incorporated an app purchase. Apple blocked Hey updates in May 2020 due to the lack of an app purchase. Apple announced ATT in June 2020. One more relevant date. Apple unveiled its services narrative in January 2016. Taken as a whole, it is very hard to come up with any explanation beyond the obvious. Apple embarked on an aggressive campaign to boost its App Store revenue. It started by looking for money from Facebook, the most obvious place to start given Facebook's symbiotic relationship with the App Store. It extended that campaign to other ad-supported apps, then started cracking down on consumer SaaS companies. Finally, it announced ATT that kneecapped the entire ad-supported app economy. So we remember when the ATT stuff, the app tracking stuff, landed, and now we have seen it's put huge, huge dampers on the sales of Facebook and others. Billions of dollars—it's cost them billions of dollars, for better, or for worse. Who cares, right? But here's the interesting element. Bloomberg is reporting, Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is testing adding ads into maps, books, and podcast apps built into iOS. <laughs> Mark,
1: Mark, my son, that's such a nice ad generated business you have there. It'd be a shame if the platform vendor, I don't know, did their own ads, you know? Why don't you pay me a 30% and I'll make
0: sure this doesn't happen to you? Here's why this matters. This is, I think, a super strong signal, and we have lots of links in the show notes. This is super strong signal about the iPhone sales collapse thesis that we had on the show a while ago. And that is if the economy slows and luxury devices like iPhone sales begin to slow, Apple will have to seek revenue from other places. Apple is very careful in how they monitor the economy and they monitor sales and how they project all of this. And I'm sure they recognize this. 2016, they announced their intention to focus on services. That's when they begin to shake down companies like Meta and Netflix and Amazon and small developers that we don't get to hear from. That's when the shakedowns begin to occur. They extract the maximum amount of revenue from people between 2016 and 2020. Then they launch the app tracking stuff that kills the revenue tracking for companies like Facebook and Google. Good. I don't care. And now, now they're announcing... Well, now they're not announcing, now they're testing, doing their own ad platform. So they took away a huge part of the app ecosystem that developers use to monetize their apps because that's what we're talking about. That's what this tracking technology is used for. It's used to put ads in the apps, to monetize the app, to pay for development. That's what it's for. Sometimes it's Facebook and sometimes it's a small developer. Apple took that ecosystem away and now they're beginning to sell their own alternative. And they're going to begin baking it into their own apps because the iPhone sales are going down. And so they're going to monetize existing iPhone users by blasting ads in their face. And I'm sure Apple will do it probably better than most. But the reality is they have first-party access to that data so they can mine their results to do accurate ad serving. And they're in a position to profit from something that a situation that they created. And now I think we have a pretty clear timeline of how all of this has gone down. And it's hook, line, and sinker. This has been their motive all along. All of the smokescreen about privacy, it's all just been to sell this thing, to put them in this position, to be essentially their own dominant ad supplier. They don't want to give that action to anybody else. It's a power move, really. They hobbled the ecosystem. They got everybody. Basically, they just bulldozed all of the real estate, and now they're building their own Apple City on it. and. They already have people coming in. It's a remarkably savvy move, but it feels a little evil because they are using the pretense of protecting their users and Apple doing the best thing for their customers and privacy first. They're using that pretense to essentially do all of this. And I find that gross. And I didn't buy an iPhone to have ads in my apps. If I wanted that, I would have got an Android phone. And I think ultimately, even if they're done in a subtle, clean way or whatever they're going to say,
1: in a tasteful way, is this the Playboy of ads? Is that where we're going?
0: Right. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna do tasteful ads. Even if it's tasteful ads, it's still an eleven hundred dollar phone that has ads now. The transaction of eleven hundred dollars every year, or every two years, or every five years, or whatever, that should be enough. But Apple is such a huge monster corporation now. That they can't stop there. They can't stop and just sell you the hardware like that was the old deal. The old deal was Apple sells the hardware and then, you know, they don't have to worry about monetizing you after the fact that's not that's not true anymore. They're too big. They're too rich. They need more revenue and you're not making enough money to buy iPhones anymore. So they got to figure out another way to do it and that they've seen coming since 2016. They've been arranging all of this. And if you don't think Apple's capable of that, I think you're underselling how savvy they can be. Gracie 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 my cousin let me
1: explain to you I don't know which mob I'm supposed to be in now but I like this voice and we're going to use it for a minute you see we have a a Mr. Xi Jinping and a Mr. Joe Biden and they have what they call recession and they put me in box I'm Russian now apparently and in box I need up to the right revenue at all times so now I screw Mark Zuckerberg which really come on look at that beautiful face how could you resist and I take all the ad money. What is wrong with this? In Soviet Russia, we do this, like, on Tuesday.
0: Right, and I suppose if you're uploading a video on YouTube, you're using Google's ad platform. And if you're on Android, you're likely going to use Google's ad platform. So it's just sort of what all the other platforms are
1: doing. Is, is this, like, not the same as just saying you can't have streaming game services because we want to screw them out of 30% individually? Yeah, I think so.
0: I mean, it's the exact same move. It's just... Well, there was part of me when I read this, and again, we'll have the links to the Wall Street Journal and the others in the show notes. I read this and I thought, so Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, back in 2016 and 2017. It's still Facebook. Let's not give them that. They pushed back, right? And they're like, no, we're not going to give you a 30% cut of our promoted Facebook post. That's crazy. And I think, in a way, this was Apple's response. All right, well, then we'll just crush your market on our devices, right? They're like, you can either give us a cut or we're going to crush your market. The most valuable per user,
1: you know, group of people you could possibly find. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind
0: of wish everybody would lose here, right? <laughs> it's possible. Well, ultimately, you got to wonder, I mean, how does this play out, right? I mean, Apple will get skewered for building in. Yeah,
1: they'll get skewered. But Google's going to be more scummy. Facebook's just awful. I mean, the truth is, they are going to be fine this is going to work to a point. And if their ads are subtle enough, the only thing maybe is just the hardcore strong arming they do. They could get some regulation, but that's only from the mascot and EU that's never going to happen here. So <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. Maybe the EU will say, this. <laughs> Oh God, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> okay. I just can't, I don't know. I just can't even with this again, the uh, strategy post that I'll have linked in the notes was really good. I just, I wish that I wish that the, the M1 chips and I wish that the iPhone hardware and I wish that iOS wasn't better than all of the Android stuff. I wish it wasn't the case because I'd love to just put these mother effers in my rearview mirror and just laugh as uh, they make these mistakes, because I can clearly see where this is going. It's obvious where this is headed. It's been ho- it's been obvious since 2016 when they announced services. And I said it in the Dakota radio the week they announced it, that this is where it was going. Back in 2016, it's been obvious the entire time. But what we have now is we have the leaked emails and calls that shows us they actually they actually did try to get uh, a piece of the action. And when they didn't get their piece of the action, well, they played hardball and they ran them out of town and now they're building in their spot. (laughs) We just wow. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's basically what happens if anything gets big enough on the App
1: Store, right? First, they come to you with a smile. There's another mob movie reference. And then they, uh, you know, they they put a dead fish in your bed or a horse head or whichever you prefer.
0: I mean, you know what it makes that? It makes Sherlocking quaint. It was like quaint when Apple would Sherlock you. Oh, Sherlocking
1: was like accidental killing of third-party utilities. This, or maybe not. Yeah.
0: Now, they will just devastate a market for you. They'll just, they'll bulldoze the entire thing. <laughs> you could say they're the new Microsoft in a lot of ways. Boosted Graham. All right. Well, I gotta <laughs> we gotta turn things around. So uh, thank you everybody who sends in a boost. We're doing two thousand sats and above to get read on the show, but we read one hundred percent of them. And uh, Zerno sent in a boost with uh, twenty twenty sats. He says I fixed my username now. I was Magenta Eagle last time, and he's got a note for anybody who wants to troll Mike in the future because he made this mistake and he's passing it along. Make sure you realize and understand Mike's licensing preferences first. Otherwise, he may just end up agreeing with you. Ha-ha. <laughs> you got him. You didn't even mean to, and you got him. We got a double boost from Zerno too. Could you take a moment away from relevant languages and talk about how the original RollerCoaster Tycoon was 99% x86 assembly? Who says <laughs> yeah. assembly
1: is not relevant? Mm.
0: I am... A ROM fan, so I have like a bunch of Super Nintendo and SNES or NES ROMs, and they're so small, they're so tiny. It's it's incredible how how fun those games are, like Super Mario World, in just a, such a tiny amount of space. Some really good YouTube watching. It, there's some videos that talk about the crazy ass tricks the developers had to pull off to get stuff running on boxes that low end. It's it's a really good read if you're if you're into it. All right, we got uh, a boost from Wooden501. Coming in hot with the boost. (laughs) 3,000 sats. Can we talk about GitHub's absolutely trash, non-existent ability to organize your repos? I don't want a massive flat list of repos that I have to search through via typing or scrolling every time I want to find that one repo. I need to take a look at it real quick. That is the sole reason I decided to use the free GitLab service instead of GitHub for my personal projects. I also have a little bit of complaints about the organization.
1: Yeah, this feels, this has always been a problem at GitHub. Why they don't have a way to group your repos by, like, you know, customer or overarching project. I have to think there's something deep in the data model there where they just screwed themselves into a corner. Because effectively their version of this is organizations. But, like, you might have one organization where you, let's say, manage, I don't know, all your clients' code. Right? And you would want subgroups. Yeah, that's uh, it's just bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, the handsome and uh, happy to hear listening, Dave Jones, the Pod Sage boosts in five thousand sats. A uh, great work on the work from home discussion. I loved it. Well, thank you, Pod Sage. Huzzah. glad you're listening. Marcel boosts in with thirty thirty sats. Oh, you know what? That's the dirty thirties. Yeah, that's the Kool Aid man. Uh, I forgot to boost in about why I use Vim, and nobody's mentioned it. Modal editing, it's killer. <laughs> I get the same language service as VS Code, but it's extensible when I need it. I made a command to convert DOI latex code using DOI to dib.org. It saved me so much time. You know what? He had he actually used it for hundreds of articles, he said. You're not gonna find it in the app store though. Also, tabs, fight me. Yeah, all right. Good news is that's our only Vim boost, as far as I know. Right? <laughs> We've also got a few more emails in. I'm just responding to people directly now on that particular topic. I think everybody will understand why. We got uh, eight thousand sets from Mollusk. I'm a back home he says, "Have either of you tried out the Nim programming language? I think it's actually pretty nice. Has a nice bounce of features borrowed from other languages." I went to go look it up on the uh, Stack Exchange developer ranking thing, you know, and uh, not even on the list. But NIM is a general purpose, multi-paradigm, statically typed, compiled systems programming language. It was created to be as fast as C, as expressive as Python, and as extensible as Lisp. It started 14 years ago and obviously influenced by Python, Rust even, C++, and others.
1: It looks very Pythonic, yes. Pythonic? oh yeah I'm, uh, did
0: you just make that up that's awesome
1: no i've read it in some i think i read it in one of those manning books or i made it
0: up i'm gonna uh, you, you know, i'm taking credit i, I, think I think you should. that's my yeah. it's mine now yeah uh, noob steve boosted him with 4444 sats <coughs> i'm with mike hashtag free una best email yeah, of the week yeah that i agree with uh i'm hoping that's going to be a you know a multi-episode arc but not too long also, I love the Orville and Discovery. I know, I'm a nerd. I'm just happy to see new sci-fi, new sci-fi, even if it is flawed. I completely agree with your assessment, though, about Seth, even though I do love his humor. Yeah, I don't think he makes a great captain. It was uh, basically my, I think if he wasn't rich and famous and <laughs> responsible. He, he
1: actually follows up with exactly that point. Wow.
0: Oh, yeah, he does. You're right. He's, uh, yeah, sorry, double boost. You're right. Good, good eye. Uh, his humor, he's definitely not the best actor. Um, And I agree with your uh, assessment of discovery. It was exceptionally hard for me to swallow the whole mushroom thing. Oh, yeah. okay, All right. Also, Paul Stamets is also the guy that's like famous for being a big mushroom guy. So they named the engineer after the real Paul Stamets. But that's kind of weird that, you know, I don't know. It kind of takes me out of it sometimes. But like me, he says he watches it because it's Trek. (laughs) Oh, he's also a member who boosts as well. Wow. That that is awesome. Trev Dev, who has been behind on podcasts, but is staying current on Coda Radio because he boosts other shows I listen to. So I know he's been falling behind, but listening every single week with 10,000 sacks. He says, I will make one argument for tabs. Tabs make it so that people with accessibility, like vision issues, are able to set the tab width as a smaller size. This way, they are able to do all of the code with large font sizes and not have to reformat every buffer they work on twice. Everyone else can just use the tab size of four to eight columns and carry on. Other than that, who gives a fark? (laughs) Do whatever the project or language standards call for. (laughs) Very reasonable. That's a very reasonable idea. Lower third Chiron boosts in with a row of ducks. Thank you kindly. 222, 222 sats. Uh, Just boosting to say that I love the chat about Star Trek when it comes to Discovery. It's a real Mario and Luigi situation. I don't know what that, I don't know, I don't know, he says it all the time. I enjoyed it regardless, Star Trek is Star Trek after all, keep up the good work.
1: Yeah, yeah, follow up on
0: whatever the hell that means. I'm going to use it though. Yeah, that's a real Mario and Luigi situation. (laughs) You just don't even know. It sounds like something though, doesn't it? It sounds very mean. Uh, Okay, Thornton, Maryland boosted in. This old duck still got it. With a row of ducks, 2,222 sats. We all know environment concerns are about controlling people and not really about the environment. Dun, dun, dun. uh, Keeping people at home isn't part of the agenda, I guess. Um, Also, apps are sold on the Steam Linux platform, but it's just mostly games. Pointing out that there is an app store, a universal app store for Linux. They do have some apps on Steam for Linux. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with the sentiment about, I think if you were really, if it was controlling people was really about the environment, they would be keeping them home. That's the only thing about their thorn that I don't know if I agree. I think that's the the thing. Mr. Quackers boost in with a row of ducks. Our last boost of the week, 2,222 sats. Quacka, wacka, it's a treasure. Yippee! Says, I'm not a very good programmer, but I've been learning Rust for about two years and it's been very fun to learn. But actually writing code with it has been a huge challenge. Ah, yes. And not fun. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Quackers. He goes on to say, for the project I'm working on, I finally gave up and I learned Go. Interesting choice. After about 20 years in, I feel I'm at, I'm at the level I was after two years of Rust. I miss Rust compiler errors in Cargo, but otherwise, I've been so much happier. I think we've heard that sentiment from the audience, too. Well, good, yeah. Rust is super strict,
1: right? So if that's not for you, then, uh, yeah, go is a good alternative. And if you really want to go cray-cray, just go C++ and uh, give up on reality and time and space.
0: Hey, remember that assembly's out there, too. Uh, a couple of call-outs. Golden Dragon boosted in just under the 2,000 sat limit to just give some nano love. Oh God. And we also got 1,000 sats from Old Trekker who said, uh, I love me some strange new worlds. But I'm gonna say it. Oroville New Horizons is the best Trek show. What is happening? I can't even. I can't even. You cannot objectively watch The Orville and Strange New Worlds and tell me The Orville is a better show. It's so bonk bonk on the nose. I do think sometimes the effects are pretty good. But come on, guys. Come on. Orville just feels it's like a really super well-done Trek fan series.
1: Speaking of the fans, should we mention the discussion we were having? Yeah, which one? Tell me. Uh, switching back to a noon time on the Eastern time zone.
0: Oh, right. Thank you. We Last week, we tried out doing Coder earlier at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, was it? Yeah,
1: noon Eastern. And November.
0: then noon Eastern, yeah. And uh, I think we had a pretty good attendance in the chat room, and so we wanted to put it out there as uh, just a bit of feedback from you guys were asking for it. Would you like us to do a little bit earlier? Because uh, I think we both could accommodate that. And if it's better for people's lifetimes and we can get even more live folks, that'd be great. So uh, you can go to coder.show slash contact, or you can boost in your ideas, messages, feedback with a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. And, of course, you can always join us live and just tell us stuff real time, give us real time feedback in that chat room, which we got going on right now. Or hit us up on that matrix server. Yeah. Oh, right. Jeez, you're on it today, dude. We, ha- we also have uh, a Coder Radio feedback and general discussion rooms, two different Coder rooms on our Matrix server, and uh, the conversation's great in there as well, and that's a great place to give us feedback as well, and you don't know, got to worry about what Telegram's doing. <laughs> no? Okay. Also, big thank you to our Coder QA team out there. You guys keep us independent, you keep us focused on our audience, and you let us be choosy about the advertisers we work with. Those are fundamentals that make this show what it is. So thank you for your support at CoderQA.co. The Coderly is up there. We put one up every quarter. And, of course, you also get an ad-free version of the show as a thank you. And, uh, you know, I don't know, CoderQA.co. Thank you. Thank you, members. We're working on a bat line. We're working on new features for that as well. Um, but website and road trip are my current priorities outside of the regular show production. And then we'll be checking stuff off. And don't forget to go check out that new website and give us your feedback. New URL, new.jupiterbroadcasting.com. And then we have a jupyterbroadcasting.com GitHub repo where you can open up issues and do pull requests and whatnot. But go try out the new website and tell us your feedback because it's just a few weeks away from going live. One of the things I've been doing and our crew has been doing, and maybe you could start doing out there, dear audiences, maybe start using it as your regular way to get the podcast to tune into the live stream. You can go to new.jupiterbroadcasting.com and play around with everything. Find the issues and let us know what's going on so we can get it all fixed up before we flip that into production. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the peeps before
1: we boop, 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 boop? Uh, Just add to Manuko on Twitter and uh, alice.dev. You
0: got to check out that alice.dev, guys. You got to go check it out. Well, we mentioned the live time. We'd love to have you join us on a Monday. For right now, it's noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. But based on your feedback, we might pop, 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 move that up a few notches. You can find the show on the Twitters at Coda Radio Show. I'm at Chris LAS. I'm also on The Matrix, Chris ChrisLAS. Funny how that works, huh? Links to what we talked about today, coder.show slash to 479. You'll find our contact feed there, as well as our RSS and subscribe links so you can get the show every single week. We appreciate it when you do that. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio program, and we'll see you right back here next week.